With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Another edition, a week three edition, college football betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody is ready for what should be a fun look at a very interesting week in college football. It goes without saying, by now you know, the week three slate, on paper, not really the greatest. There are zero matchups of ranked opponents. Obviously, next weekend is the mega, mega, mega weekend. Colorado, Oregon, Florida State, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, on and on. But with that said, the weekends where it looks on paper like there aren't a lot of big matchups are the ones in college football that, as we know, often get the craziest. And so we are going to preview it all. We'll talk Florida, Tennessee, Colorado, Colorado State, Georgia, South Carolina, on and on and on. Fun week, busy week. Before we get to it, a couple quick things. One, make sure you are subscribed to the College Football Betting Feed, Apple, Spotify, wherever. Appreciate your support. The three most downloaded episodes that we have done in the history of this show are the last three. The the Thursday week one preview, the full week one preview, and then the week two preview. So this show is picking up steam. We appreciate it. Same with the YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed there, please make sure to do so. By the way, uh, we now have a full-time producer, so you know what that means? It means that I'm going to be previewing even more games over there. So some of the stuff that doesn't necessarily make this show, we will get up a clip on YouTube, so make sure you're subscribed to YouTube as well. With that said, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right into it. The Week 3 slate in college football, and as I said, on paper, it doesn't seem great, but I have a feeling we're going to come out of Saturday with a lot of interesting storylines, a lot of interesting narratives. And I do want to start with, it might not be a great game on paper this year, but it is a great rivalry, a lot of bad blood. Let's start with Tennessee at Florida. Tennessee, a six and a half point favorite going into the swamp. The over-under set at 58 and a half. And an interesting little nugget on this one. For everybody who's ready to just hand this game to Tennessee, you know that Tennessee hasn't won in the Swamp since 2003? 20 years Tennessee has not won in the Swamp. So this one should be fun. This one should be competitive. And I actually think we're going to learn a lot about both teams. From the Tennessee perspective, by now, you know what the narrative coming into the season is and was and what the narrative coming out of this game will be. Was last year a fluke? 
Was last year about Hendon Hooker, or is Josh Heupel building a program that gets sustained year over year over year? To Tennessee's credit, they are 2-0. and But obviously, this is the game where we're going to learn a lot about Joe Milton. And as much as the conversation is about Tennessee, it is also about Joe Milton. Who is he? How good is he? Um, and how is he going to handle the big stage? It's one thing to do it against Austin P or even Virginia, but we saw it at Michigan. We saw it uh, early in his career, Tennessee. How does he respond? Big game, big road game, all that good stuff. Now, to Joe Milton's credit, he's actually been very good early on in the season. Again, the competition hasn't been great, Virginia and Austin P, but he has shown you what you want to see from him. In that first game over Virginia, and Virginia is a program that is in the ACC, they do recruit pretty well. Uh, Joe Milton was excellent, 21 of 30, 200 yards passing, two touchdowns. And as a guy who watched that game, there was a couple guys that just dropped balls that did not help Joe Milton's final stat line. Obviously, last week against Austin P, they really didn't show all of that much. But it's also worth noting that as good as Joe Milton has looked early, the run game has also been really good. And this is something we talked about on this show last year, the uh, the Aerator Sports Podcast, is that everyone thinks of Tennessee as this high-powered, fast-paced, uh, you know, offense, high-flying, whatever. But the run game is crucial to what they do. And through the first couple games, that run game has been very, very, very good. Over 200 yards rushing against Austin P last week, and I understand it's Austin P. But as a theme of this show today. You can only play the teams on your schedule, and if you take care of business in the manner in which you want to see people take care of business, that's always a good thing. It wasn't a great game last week for Tennessee. A little sloppy, a lot of penalties, all of that, but the run game was effective, and Jalen Wright has been excellent early in the year. It's early, but the second leading rusher in the SEC. From the Florida perspective, you know, listen, Florida is interesting because to me, what I think about Florida I think I'm the only person in America that I'm kind of neutral on Billy Napier. Um, I don't think he's shown me a lot. I don't think that we need to blindly have faith in him, but there are positives. He's recruited pretty well. The class of 2024 is shaping up to be really good, but this is kind of a big game for him, right? I mean, you look at Florida's schedule. You look at all of the games that they still have ahead. Already lost to Utah, have to go, have to play at LSU later this year. Florida State, their big rival, appears to be rolling. We know about Georgia. I'm not saying this is a must-win to get bowl eligible, but it's kind of sort of a must-win, and it kind of sort of is a bad look if in front of 100,000 people in the swamp, you cannot get a victory over Tennessee for the first time in two decades. Now, the one thing I will say about Florida, independent of win, lose, whatever, First off, I, like I said, this is a big game for them. A lot to prove, a lot to prove in terms of putting week one behind us. Week one, obviously, they lost at Utah. Last week, they took care of McNeese State. I will say this about the Utah game, though. I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. I went back and watched a little bit of it, and I get Utah did not have Cam Rice. I get that they didn't have their best defensive lineman, Junior Tafuna. I get that one of their best linebackers, Kareem Reed, got hurt early in the year in the game, excuse me. But at the same time, if you actually go back and look at that game, I don't think it was quite as one-sided as we remember. Now, the final score is 24 to 11. Uh, Utah got control early and never really gave it up. But if you go back and look, Florida had a million penalties. Now, that's not excusable. A couple really dumb ones. The the situation where they had this, the two players with the same number on the field. A um, lot of penalties. 
Uh, Graham Mertz had an interception deep in Florida, deep in his own territory, which set up a Utah touchdown. But the bottom line was, is that Florida actually outgained Utah at home, and it was their own mistakes which ultimately did them in. Not to say that Utah did not deserve to win. Not to say that Utah wasn't the better team. But I also don't think Florida was that far off from making that at least an interesting game a competitive game. Again, I get that there was no Cam Rising. I get that a lot of injuries were going on from the from the Utah perspective. But we've seen some butt kickings by other teams to SEC teams this year, whether it's Florida State smacking LSU, whether it's, um, you know, whatever, Miami smacking A&M. I don't think that Florida absolutely got destroyed. And so that's why I think this is a big game. You're at home. We know that Graham Mertz is limited. The run game, though, has largely been very effective early. Florida, again, it's hard to say because the competition was not good last week, but they were able to effectively run the ball. I think that running back room is probably their best unit uh, you know, on the team. Montreal Johnson with over 100 yards rushing last week. Trevor Etienne had a very good game as well. Um, and then I also think from the Florida perspective, and again, knowing that they played a banged-up Utah in Week 1 and McNeese State in Week 2, the defense has actually been pretty good. And again, we just talked about it from the Utah perspective. We talked about the fact that Utah was very banged up for the fifth time this segment. But do you know that Florida right now has the number one total defense in the SEC right now going on this season? Like in the SEC right now this second, Florida has the number one total defense. Again, they haven't played a Texas. They haven't played a Florida State. They haven't even played a Miami. I get that but they're not as bad as you think, which leads me to my thoughts on this game. And I do have a pick on this game. I do have a bet at the very least on this game. I actually like the under in this game a lot. And I know it's not sexy and I know you don't come into this show. Oh, I want to bet the under. I hope I get a 10-7 final score. And I don't think we're going to get a 10-7 final score. But what I do think about this game, when I look at it, a couple things stand out. Florida, as I said, they want to run the ball and control the clock. Billy Napier even said that in his press conference this week. He said, like, that tempo that they play with, it's mortifying, and if you let them get going, you can get buried in a hurry. So Florida is going to want to control the clock, and I don't necessarily believe that Tennessee is going to play at the normal tempo that we're used to. This is a program, yes, they like to play fast. Yes, they like to get to the line of scrimmage, run plays, do this, do that. But I don't think Josh Heupel wants to put too much on the shoulders of Joe Milton in what should be likely, frankly, the toughest road environment that he's ever played in. Remember, hasn't really played the last two years at Tennessee. I know he started early in his career and then was replaced by Hennon Hooker. I know he started in the Orange Bowl last year, but that was obviously a neutral site game. Um, but you go back to the Michigan year when he started. Remember, that was the COVID year. There were no fans in the stands in the Big Ten. So I just bring it up to say I don't think Josh Heupel wants to put too much on his plate early, and I do think the under is the smart play. This feels like a 28-20 type game, 24-20 type game. Don't think either team is going to be in Like, bottom line, I don't know that I love either side. I would probably lean Florida plus the points at home, but I think the under is the smart play here. That is my official best bet for Florida-Tennessee. Let's keep it going. Let's stay in the SEC. Uh, and for the first time this year, we get a signature, meaningful game featuring the Georgia Bulldogs. Oh, I don't know. The reigning two-time national champions that we essentially have not talked about all, off, all, all season long 
since the offseason ended. This is a 3.30 Eastern game, CBS game of the week. By the way, shout out, the last premiere of the SEC on CBS. SEC goes away off of CBS starting next year. And I do think, by the way, Brad Nessler, Gary Danielson are probably through the moon. They had Ohio State at Indiana two weeks ago, total snoozer. They had UNLV Michigan last week, which may have been an even bigger snoozer. Now they get some real SEC football. Georgia hosting the Gamecocks. Uh, Georgia is a 27.5-point favorite, the over-under set at 54. In terms of Georgia, there just really hasn't been that much to talk about because obviously the competition has been UT Martin and Ball State early. Have taken care of business in two games, but if you actually watch the games and didn't just look at box scores, I don't want to say that Georgia was ever like in any threat in any way, shape, or form, but there have been some good and some bad things on either side. From from the Georgia positive perspective, the thing that stands out, Carson Beck has been really good. And this goes back to something we talked about in the preseason. Carson Beck was never a concern at Georgia. Quarterback was never a concern at Georgia. I talked about it in the offseason. Know some people relatively close to that program. And they said, frankly, like Carson Beck was ready for this opportunity a year ago. Stetson Bennett ends up using his extra year of COVID eligibility. But the bottom line being is that if Carson Beck had been called into action a season ago as the full-time starter, he would have been ready. And he has looked the part so far. 77% completion percentage. And what's become clear watching Georgia, they got a lot of weapons at the wide receiver position and the, you know, obviously the, the tight end position as well. We know about Brock Bowers. He's going to be a top 10 pick in the draft. Uh, Oscar Delp, another really good tight end. Oh, by the way, on top of that, Dominic Lovett, the transfer from uh, from Missouri, excuse me, has been really good. Ra Ra Thomas, the transfer from Mississippi State has been really good. Makai Muse has been really good. Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint was back last week and looked really good. So from the Georgia perspective, that pass game does look solid. Carson Beck and all those receivers. That's the positive. The negative, the run game has left a little bit to be desired. And yes, there's been a lot of... uh. Mike Bobo commentary on social media as there tends to be uh, when, when things don't go great. And we know about the history with Mike Bobo and the Georgia Bulldogs. But last week against Ball State, Georgia, how about this? 99 yards rushing on 28 carries. 99 yards rushing on 28 carries. That is not the Georgia that we know. Uh, and that obviously has to get cleaned up because you're going to have to be able to move the ball on the ground more effectively as the season goes on through two games. They have not done that. 93rd nationally in rushing, 65th in yards per carry. Those ain't your, your grandfather's Georgia Bulldogs. Those aren't the 2022-2021 Georgia Bulldogs. They need to improve on that, uh, and they'll have a chance against South Carolina. Speaking of South Carolina, you know, listen, I, I, it's kind of the same thing with South Carolina. The pass game has been really good, and I got to give credit where it's due because I was never a Spencer Rattler guy, even coming into the year. I acknowledged he was very good the second half of the year when South Carolina got hot a season ago, when they beat Tennessee at home, when they beat Clemson on the road, when they finished the season very strongly. But even going into the season, I said, are we sure Spencer Rattler's been that good? Well, Spencer Rattler has been that good. Uh, through two games, one against North Carolina last week against Furman. How about this? 83% completion percentage, 698 yards passing, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. 
problem for South Carolina, as good as that pass game has been, the run game has been abysmal. And if you watch that North Carolina, South Carolina game to open the season, it was really, really, really bad. And frankly, um, I thought South, like South Carolina just got completely outclassed. North Carolina isn't exactly known uh, for its defensive prowess. Now, they always have good players on defense, but the scheme hasn't always been there. And North Carolina just did what they wanted at the line of scrimmage. South Carolina finished with negative two yards rushing in that game. And then you say, oh, maybe North Carolina's defensive line is just better than we thought. South Carolina averaged 2.8 yards per game, per, per carry, excuse me, against Furman last week. So that is not a good sign. And that is not a good trend going forward. In terms of this game, you know, I'll be blunt. This is one, listen, I'll, I'll just be clear. I'm not going to bet it, but my lean is that Georgia wins pretty convincingly. First of all, I just don't think, and I know Kirby Smart in the offseason talked a lot about, hey, you know, we don't have the, the 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 guys that can get to the quarterback like we have the last few years, or they haven't emerged yet at the very least. Um, and I know, by the way, that they have some some injuries. You know, Javon Bullard, the star uh, defensive player, MVP of the national championship game last year, was banged up coming out of last week. Uh, Lad McConkey banged up coming out of last week. But there's two things that kind of come to mind as far as why I do like Georgia. First one, I think it's a bad matchup. If you can't run the ball, if you can't be multifaceted, I don't think you can beat Georgia. I, I, I Listen, I know that South Carolina, to its credit, over the last couple of years, they have been a big game hunting team uh, at South Carolina under Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer even talked this week. He was asked about being a four-touchdown favorite. He said, look, we were something close to that against Tennessee last year, and we smacked them around. We were something close to that against Clemson, and we beat them. Um, so I don't think Shane Beamer's intimidated. I don't think that South Carolina's players are intimidated, but I do think we have to call a spade a spade. And when I look at this situation, I just sit there and say, if you can't run the ball, I don't know how you have success against Georgia because if those edge rushers can just pin their ears back and go after Spencer Rattler like they did last year, it can get ugly. And then I also think from the Georgia perspective, week three, they haven't really been let loose by that coaching staff, right? Most of these teams are using these early season games as kind of almost preseason exhibition type games. They're not. They count in the standings. But you look at what Michigan's done. You look at what Alabama did against Middle Tennessee, what uh, Texas A&M did against New Mexico. You work on stuff. You try to improve on stuff. This is the game where I think Kirby Smart just gets to unleash the dogs, no pun intended. And you get to go out there and you get to do you get to 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 really just go after a team in the SEC, in your division, a rival. And I think it could get ugly. I'm not going to officially pick this game. I'm not going to officially bet it because South Carolina or North uh, Georgia, excuse me, has not been great running the football. I think they do have success this week, though. I think they win somewhere big to I, I just don't see the scenario where South Carolina can able to is able to move the ball. I say somewhere in the neighborhood of like a 34 to three type win for Georgia. I think it gets ugly. I think they dominate. I think they go into uh, another bye game next week before the heart of SEC play. Let's switch gears before we get to break. One last game to preview, and then we'll get to break. It is the one, um, the one that many would say there is no way to handicap, but darn it, we're going to do it anyway. That is, of course, the Michigan State Washington game. Washington, if you remember last year, this was sort of their coming out party. They were coming off a really bad year. They had fired Jimmy Lake. They bring in Kalen DeBoer. They, they have Michael Penix transfer, and nobody really knows what to expect. 
Michigan State goes out there. They're coming off an 11-win season, and Washington smacks them around and kind of makes a name on the national scene. Well, this is the return game, 5 p.m. Eastern in East Lansing. Washington, a 16-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under set at 57-and-a-half. So let's get into it. And obviously, look, I've already spent like 30 seconds talking about this game, and I sort of buried the lead, which is we don't know what to expect because of the Mel Tucker situation. And I've talked enough about Mel Tucker on the Aaron Torres pod. I don't need to go through what happened and how it happened and what it means on this show. By now, you already know. But I do think it's an interesting conversation to have about what it means for Michigan State on the field on Saturday. Now, it is worth noting, and I think this is important, a guy that's taken over for Mel Tucker. He is like a beloved icon in that program, a guy named Harland Beverly, okay? For people who don't know the backstory there, guy basically bleeds green and white, um, which by the way, maybe see a doctor for that, neither here nor there, but <laughs> guy basically bleeds green and white. Um, he came as part of Mark D'Antonio's original staff back in 2007, and since 2007, he has been at Michigan State every year except for two Left for two years to go coach at Florida State, but from 07 to 2023, that's 16 years. He's been there for 14 out of 16 years. Everybody likes him. Everybody loves him. The the players love him. And he was asked about it. And I know there's only you know one way to answer the question, but I think the players are going to rally around him. Now they better because they're playing a really, really good Washington team. And for Washington, we all know the deal. We all know about the hype, but it is worth reiterating. That passing attack is insane. I mean, even going back to last year, like when we think about great passing attacks in college football, we think Caleb Williams, USC. We think Tennessee, which last year had Hendon Hooker. It was Washington that had the number one pass offense in all of college football a year ago, and they currently, through two games, have the number one pass offense as well. Michael Penix, guy has been unreal. Game one against Boise, 450 yards passing, five touchdowns. Last week, he regressed. The poor guy wasn't very good. Only 409 yards passing and three touchdowns. But again, Washington is leading college football in passing. Michael Penix is playing like a Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, And obviously, the defense has been very good as well, although it is worth noting, like so many teams on this list, Washington really hasn't played uh, very good competition. Boise State and Tulsa the last two weeks for Washington State, 56-19 to against Boise, 43-10 to against Tulsa a week ago. As far as Michigan State, it's kind of exactly what I just said. They have not played the best competition, but to their credit, they looked good in those two games. Played Central Michigan, beat the Chippewas 31-7, and then beat Richmond 45-14 last week. And I know what people say, well, it's Central Michigan, it's Richmond. And what I will say is, if that's how you want to attack this game, I totally get it. Michigan State was one of the most disappointing teams in college football last year. You need to see more before you get impressed, especially with an interim head coach with the Spartans. I think that's especially true after some of the stuff we saw in week two. Remember, we got excited about Alabama against Middle Tennessee. Well, different story against Texas, same with A&M against uh, Miami. So I, I get the whole conversation. I do think there are some positives that have come out of those games, though. First of all, two dominant wins, and you can go back to last year for Michigan State because Michigan State, even though they started 2-0 last year, it was a very sloppy 2-0 coming into the Washington game a year ago. 35-13 against Western Michigan, but it was close into the fourth quarter in that game. 
So Michigan State has looked very good, and I do think there are some positives, even though, again, it's early and you don't want to get too excited. First off, Noah Kim, the quarterback, has played very well. And this is interesting because if you remember back to the spring, remember back to the spring, um, Peyton Thorne, who had been a two-year starter at Michigan State, elected to transfer. And when he did, there was a lot of conversation about, what does this mean about the program? And the program's falling apart. But there are also whispers inside the program that maybe Peyton Thorne, who's now the starting quarterback at Auburn, he had maybe just flat out been beat out by Noah Kim. Well, through two games, Noah Kim has been very good. 571 yards passing, five touchdowns, no interceptions, 68% completion percentage. And granted, again, the competition has not been great. Also think it's a positive, a balanced attack for Michigan State. Uh, Nathan Carter, a UConn transfer. You knew I was going to sneak a UConn reference in here, but uh, 224 yards rushing. He is the leading rusher in the Big Ten through two games. And then I think most importantly, this defense, which was so bad last year, number five in the country in total defense, number five in the country in pass defense. Now, it's a lot different going against Richmond and Central Michigan as opposed to Washington. And so I know a lot of you are probably just like totally just, I'm staying away from this. Torres is, I actually have a pick for this game, and I like Michigan State plus the points. First off, I know the, the Washington pass attack is explosive. I just think it's really hard to fly across country on the road in front of 70, 80,000 screaming fans and win by three scores. Now, they can do it. They beat some teams up pretty bad last year, especially late in the year. But Michigan State, I think, is improved on defense, and I think they can run the ball effectively enough to go ahead and keep Michael Penix and that offense off the field. The other thing, and I talked about it a minute ago, I do think there is something to this team is going to play hard for Harland Beverly. Now, does that mean they are going to win the game? Does it mean they're going to win 35 to nothing? That's not what I'm saying. But those players love that guy. Those players respect that guy. Those guys appreciate that guy. And I think they're going to play hard for him. So my official pick, my official best bet in this game, I'm going to take Michigan State plus the point, 16 and a half at home. I will take a Washington win and a Michigan State cover. All right, so what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will preview the rest of the week three slate. I do want to talk LSU, Mississippi State. think that's an interesting one. Uh, we will talk Ohio State, kind of an interesting matchup with Western Kentucky as they have named Kyle McCord the starter. Colorado's got a big game. Quick break. Be right back. We'll break down the rest of the week three college football slate. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, let's get to the rest of the week three slate. And let's start. Listen, this wouldn't be a sports show. This wouldn't be a college football show. We're going to talk a little bit about the Colorado Buffaloes. Colorado on Saturday night hosting the Colorado State Rams. The Colorado Buffaloes, a 23-point favorite. The over-under is set at 60 and a half in this game. Now, in terms of the game itself, let me start by saying this, man. I know that a lot of people get tired of the coach prime. You guys talk about him too much, all this, all that one. That's a lie. You guys say you don't like it, but the TV ratings for Colorado are through the roof. Okay. Eight and a half. I think it was 8.7 million people watched Colorado, Nebraska the other day. That number was essentially on par with Alabama and Texas later in the day. Now, admittedly, Alabama, Texas was on ESPN charter dispute, all that good stuff, but it shows you the interest in this program. And I think this weekend specifically shows you the interest and how big it's gotten. Big noon kickoff is going to be in Boulder for a second straight weekend. College game day also going to be in Boulder. It shows the interest. It shows the excitement, but it also shows one thing. It shows that this is a darn good football team right now at this season. It'd be one thing if college game day showed up in week one, everybody wants to see what all the excitement's about, but to do it in week three, shows that this team is legitimate, this team is exciting, and this team is creating buzz. Now, in terms of this game itself, one, Colorado's going to be able to score points because they're going to be able to score points against pretty much everybody they play all year. Big, biggest thing that stands out through two games for Colorado, it goes without saying, it's Shador Sanders. It's unbelievable, really, because I saw this the other day. Did you see that Mel Kuyper now has Shador Sanders as a top five pick in the 2024 NFL draft? Now, to be clear, he deserves it. He should be there. I'm not a draft expert, but he has looked unbelievable through two games. And it speaks to how much buzz and how much interest and how much excitement this program has created in large part because of Shador Sanders play for all the talk about coach prime. 
He has himself a first-round quarterback at that spot. As Shador Sanders, unbelievable. 77% completion percentage, 903 passing yards, six touchdowns. And oh, by the way, Colorado at this point in the season has the number two pass offense in college football. Only Washington is better. And that's kind of incredible when you factor in that Washington has played Boise State and Tulsa. Colorado has played Nebraska and TCU, two power five teams. So this offense is humming. It's not going to slow down so much talent across the board. We know about Xavier Weaver. We know about Jimmy Horn. We know about Travis Hunter. We know about Dylan Edwards. And it'll be interesting because they could also get another interesting piece into the lineup this week, a running back named Alton McCaskill. Transfer from Houston two years ago was an all AAC uh, rookie team member a guy that many people believe was one of the best players in that conference tore his ACL. Unfortunately, last year decides to transfer, but this is kind of that between the tackles back that as good as Dylan Edwards is Dylan Edwards is not a guy that's going to shake off three or four tacklers and pick up an extra three, four yards between the tackles. Ultimate Casco could be another dimension to this offense an offense that I don't expect to slow down. Now, what'll be interesting for Colorado, not really for this coming Saturday, but more for just the bigger picture of the season. Defense does have to get cleaned up. Defense does have to be better. Now, to be clear and to be fair, this is a team that has played two Power 5 opponents on the season. Now, admittedly, they only play one non-Power 5 opponent the rest of the year. That is Colorado State this weekend. So it's not as though the schedule gets easier. And again, next week it's Oregon. The week after it's USC. So things do have to get fixed. I think that is my big concern, not really even just for this weekend, But going forward, give up 42 points to TCU, 262 yards rushing in that game. And then even last week against Nebraska, I think it's easy to kind of overlook this. Nebraska did have 222 yards rushing in that game. Now, poor Jeff Sims, who has just gotten crushed across the media over the last week, he did turn the ball over a million times. He did kind of hand that game on a platter. And then I do think to the credit of Colorado, Shador Sanders, the offense got more comfortable. It doesn't change the fact, though, that this defense has to clean things up. Now, in terms of the Colorado team that they're facing this weekend, kind of weird. I don't think we know a lot about them. So they are, I think they're the only team. They played in week one and then had a bye in week two. So only a one-game sample size. And in that one-game sample size, they absolutely got destroyed. They played what we know is a good Washington State team. Washington State, obviously, uh, a week ago, took care of Wisconsin at home. The Colorado State Rams played them in week one, and that game was actually in Fort Collins. That was a true home game for Colorado State, and they got destroyed. Final score, 50-24. to 24. Washington State, how about this? They put up 558 yards of total offense, 466 yards passing. So I think Shador Sanders, I think this Colorado offense is going to feast, and the only question becomes, can Colorado State in any way, shape, or form keep up. Now, what will be interesting about Colorado State is that coming off of that week one game, they did make a quarterback change. So they had been playing a kid named Clay Millen, super accurate quarterback, but but just didn't ultimately move the needle enough. Last year, he was actually, he led college football in completion percentage, did not result in very many wins. He starts the game against Washington State. The offense struggles. So they went to a player named Braden Fowler, Nicolisi, okay? Not going to claim that I I have a ton of film on him, 
but he did move the ball effectively. And uh, the, the head coach, Jay Norvell, did say that he is going to be the guy going into this week. 65% completion percentage, two touchdown passes, about 10 and a half yards per completion. So he was chucking the ball around against Washington State. Admittedly, it was in garbage time. But I just bring it up because I do think this is a Colorado State Rams offense that will be able to move the ball. In terms of an official best bet, I'll tell you, I, I, I do have a side here. I actually like the over quite a bit in this game. I think Colorado State's going to move the ball at will. Remember, or Colorado, excuse me, is going to move the ball at will. Remember, Colorado State gave up 466 yards passing to Washington State. I don't think it's going to be very much better this coming week for Colorado or for Colorado State against Colorado. Tripping over the Colorado versus Colorado State thing. But I bring it up because I think Shador Sanders is going to feast. I don't think Colorado State will be able to slow down this offense. But I do think Colorado State will be able to move the ball a little bit on Colorado. So I have a final score somewhere in the neighborhood of like a 45 to 21 type thing, maybe a 49 to 20 type thing. Colorado wins. I think Colorado covers, but to me, the over of 60 and a half is the best bet. Let's keep it going. Uh, let's head back to the SEC because there is a very interesting matchup in the SEC, uh, a game in Starkville, Mississippi, 11 a.m. local time start, 12 central on ESPN, LSU at Mississippi State, LSU a 10-point favorite in Starkville. The over-under is actually trickling up to about 54 and a half as I record this. And what'll be interesting about this one, what's the real LSU, right? Because we saw, it, it, you know, LSU, right? It's almost like I've used this analogy before. It's like Goldilocks and the three bear, bears. Too hot, too cold, just right. One bed's too big, one bed's too small, one bed's just right. LSU on the one extreme got destroyed by Florida State. We all saw it, Florida State, 31 straight points in that game. But then on the flip side, uh, LSU gets embarrassed. They come back, put up 72 against Grambling. And I know, can't take too much away from a game against Grambling, but there were some positives, I thought, from the LSU perspective. They they did, that offense, to say the least, got back on track. 622 yards of total offense, not bad. Beyond that, and this is important, did a very good job of reestablishing the run game. Struggled to run the ball, especially late against Florida State. Now, Florida State might just be that good, but at the same time, it was important for LSU to get back on track. They did six and a half yards per carry. Logan Diggs, the Notre Dame transfer, was excellent. 115 yards in that game. And then defensively, and Brian Kelly talked a lot about this in his Monday press conference this week, they let Harold Perkins cook. And I don't think it was a great statistical performance, but that was a legitimate complaint from LSU fans coming out of that Mississippi State game. It was like, oh, wait a second now. Why, 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 why are we having Harold Perkins line up as, as a linebacker and essentially a spy for Jordan Travis when his best work is when he just goes and gets the football? So I expect a more active Harold Perkins for LSU. And from the Mississippi State side, we're going to see some interesting new developments for Mississippi State. Now, sadly, um, it goes without saying, we know what the biggest story around Mississippi State football is. That is that Mike Leach passed away since the end of last season. Awful story. It, you don't need me to tell you. From a football perspective, though, I don't know a lot of people realize this. 
Zach Arnett takes over as the head coach of that team. And what I think is very interesting is that he has chosen to go away from the air raid that made them so successful. Successful. Remember, Mississippi State won nine games last year. They were pretty much competitive in just about every game except when they played Alabama and when they played Georgia. And so they go away from the air raid. It's more of a balance. And I get from Zach Arnett's perspective, you want more complimentary football. He's a defensive coach. You don't want your quarterback throwing the ball 50 times a game. But against Arizona, and remember, they needed overtime to beat Arizona at home. Will Rogers threw the ball a grand total. I could not believe this. 17 times he threw the ball against Arizona. 17 times. He didn't throw it fewer than 37 times at any point last season. And so a Mississippi State team that moved the ball at will last year finished with 307 yards of total offense against a not very good Arizona defense. And I think I'm a little bit worried about Mississippi State. Now, the good news is that defense is still elite. It was elite last year. It is elite this year. A lot of older veteran guys. They got after Jaden Delora big time in that game. Uh, nine tackles for loss in that game. A bunch of sacks. A bunch of veteran guys for Mississippi State. Uh, Nathaniel Watson is the name to know. Defensively, great linebacker. Edge, you know, just gets after the quarterback. In that Arizona game, had 10 tackles total, half a tackle for loss. Jeff Johnson had two TFLs, as I said, overall nine TFLs. Now, in terms of a prediction, I do have one for this game. I actually like, again, and I know it's not very sexy to talk about, I do like the under. I like the under because Mississippi State plays real defense. I don't think that offense is good at all this year. I'm not here to criticize. I'm not a football coach. I'm not an X's and O's scheme genius. But when you have a quarterback, you have an entire offense that was recruited to run the air raid. I do think it's kind of weird that you go away from it. And again, I get you want to put your own stamp on it. I get you want to do your own thing. I just don't know if it's the move I would make with this specific personnel group with Will Rogers back at quarterback. I think LSU wins. I think they win pretty convincingly. I think this is something like 34 to 10, you know, 34 to 30. I don't think Mississippi State moves the ball. I'd be worried if I'm a Mississippi State fan. Zach Arnett, everybody thought he was one of the hot young coordinators. Hasn't the, the early returns are not good. I think it could be worse after Saturday. Let's really quickly wrap through some rip through some of the other games from the weekend. Uh, Ohio State, 29-point favorite at home against Western Kentucky. The over-under in this one is 64. Why this one's interesting. Ohio State officially has themselves a starting quarterback. Kyle McCord is in at quarterback. He was named the starter this past week by Ryan Day. No more quarterback controversy. No more flip-flopping. And they got to get going because they obviously have Notre Dame next week on the road. To Kyle McCord's credit, thought he looked much better last week uh, against Youngstown State. Now, it was not overall an incredible performance from Ohio State, but they did what they needed to do. 359 yards passing. Uh, almost all of them by Kyle McCord, a couple nice deep balls. And Ohio State, to their credit, is running the ball very effectively, almost five yards per carry last week uh, against Youngstown State. Why this matchup is interesting is a few reasons. One, from the uh, uh, Western Kentucky perspective, Ohio State, you better be able to run the ball effectively against this Western Kentucky team. Western Kentucky coming into the week, 131st. In rush defense, 
264 yards allowed per game on the ground. By the way, it's not as though Western Kentucky has played a murderer's row of talent. They played South Florida. They played Houston Baptist. Could not stop the run. So they can't stop the run, but they can also chuck the ball all over the field. Last year, finished second nationally in pass offense. This year, they're ranked in the top 15. Austin Reed is the name to know there. Austin Reed is a multi-year starter uh, and just been a very productive college player at this level. Last year, 4,700 yards passing, 40 touchdowns. Already has six touchdowns and 600 yards passing through the first two games this season. I think Ohio State wins. But I would not be surprised if Western Kentucky puts points on the board. I do like the over in this game. And Ohio State, I think they really kind of got to get into a rhythm going to Notre Dame next week. Fascinated, excited. Can't wait to talk about that game. Ohio State got to take care of business here first. A couple other games worth noting. Alabama, it's been noted. The true road game in Tampa against South Florida. Have not seen very many of those from Alabama over the last couple of years. They go to South Florida. They're a 32-point favorite. The over-under is 61.5. I think the big thing from Alabama is, and I won't be betting this game, um, I'm just curious to see what they do from the quarterback situation, right? Jalen Milrow was Jalen Milrow was what Jalen Milrow was last week, okay? I don't think he was the reason that Alabama lost, but 14 of 27 passing, 265 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Interception late really, really, really hurt them. And Alabama opens SEC play next week against Ole Miss at home. And so I bring it up because I don't think you can, I I think you have to get Tyler Buckner, the backup reps in this game. He's not perfect. He's been injury prone at his time in Notre Dame, but he is a guy that I think you can put the ball in his hands, let him run this offense. He won't make mistakes. He certainly doesn't have the upside of Jalen Milrow but he isn't going to turn the ball over as much either. This is one where I think Alabama wins. I think they roll. South Florida, by the way, is not very good. I mentioned it a minute ago. South Florida actually got destroyed uh, by Western Kentucky in week one. And then how about this? They played Florida A&M last week, group of five team, or uh, excuse me, FCS team. They actually got outgained by uh, by Florida A&M last week in a win. They did win 38 to 24. Um, but they're not very good, and they're especially not very good on defense. South Florida, as I said, uh, uh, outgained by Florida A&M, and they're 113th nationally in total defense. I would probably take South Florida to cover here, and it's not because I think Alabama, the dynasty is dead. It's all over, but Alabama has to rotate quarterbacks. They have to get Tyler Buckner meaningful game snaps. Uh, I'll say Alabama wins somewhere in the neighborhood of you know, 40 to 14, not quite a cover. They probably win a little bit sloppy as they get ready for SEC play next week. Um, Trying to look through the rest of the schedule really quick. As far as other impactful games, you know, Arkansas at home against BYU, Arkansas is an eight point favorite. I won't be touching this one because Arkansas rocket Sanders is not available for this game. He did not play last week. That offense did not look great without him. Arkansas has played two, uh, you know, they played Western Carolina in their first game. As I just said, they played Kent State last week. They win 28 to six, kind of the same with BYU. BYU through two games has played uh, a FCS team and a group of five team. They struggled against Sam Houston State and then beat Southern Illinois or Southern Utah 41 to 16 in that game. 
So neither team has played a power five team. My hunch is that Arkansas gets the job done at home. Uh, BYU going across country. Arkansas won in Provo last year. Total stay away to me, especially without Rocket Sanders. Arkansas, like Alabama, has their SEC opener a week from now. In their case, it's at LSU. So they got to get right in a hurry as Arkansas opens at LSU. You know, Minnesota, seven and a half point favorite at North Carolina. Stay away to me. Won't be betting it. North Carolina, I think they're spending a little too much time publicly worrying about Tez Walker. I understand frustrated. You can be frustrated privately. You can petition the NCAA privately. You can send me letters privately. But publicly, you got to be focused on the task at hand. That game, to me, totally comes down to who controls kind of the game, basically, right? Because if Minnesota does what they do, if they run the ball, take the air out of the ball, run the clock, and they can keep it low scoring, Minnesota can not only cover, I think Minnesota can win outright. The problem is they're not built to come back from big deficits. So if Drake May throws three touchdown passes in the first quarter and it's 21 to three after the first quarter, Minnesota can't come back from that total, total, total. Stay away from me. Uh, Stay away from me with the Missouri-Kansas State game. Kansas State, you know, looking like the best team in the Big 12 outside of maybe Texas. Missouri barely survived against Middle Tennessee State last week. So we'll see what happens there. Eli Drinkwitz wouldn't exactly call him on the hot seat, but it's like, dude, You know, I know you gave up play calling. I get all that. But 21 points against Middle Tennessee after Alabama smacked them the week before. Couldn't really run the ball. Um, Outside of Luther Burden, there's not a lot of playmaking, it feels like, on this team. Now, maybe they're just not doing a good enough job of getting it to their playmakers. But I guess I'm saying I would be worried if I was a Missouri fan. Total stay away to me. Um, And I think that's it. You know, Ole Miss Georgia Tech, no strong feel there. Ole Miss, again, getting ready for SEC play next week. Penn State at Illinois is kind of the 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 Fox Big Noon game. Big Noon will be in Colorado, but they will, uh, you know, Joel and Gus will be at the the Illinois game. Stay away to me. Penn State, 14 and a half point favorite on the road, should cover. Illinois has been weird this year. Um, that's really it. Texas hosting Wyoming, total stay away. Oklahoma at Tulsa, definitely a stay away. Fun week of college football. I know there's no big games. Well, I'm excited about Tennessee, Florida, LSU, Mississippi State, Colorado, Colorado State. And then, oh, by the way, next week, that's the big one. We got Colorado, Oregon. We got, uh, who else? We got uh, Clemson, Florida State. We got Ohio State, Notre Dame, and much, much, much more. All right, I think that's it for this episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. I do think it is time for me to get out of here. Uh, If you're not subscribed to the the show, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to do so. Really appreciate everybody's support. Also, make sure, if you could, by the way, leave a rating and review on Apple. Really does help this kind of move up the charts, get more people aware of the show, leave a rating and review on the Apple page. Also, the YouTube channel is humming. We do all the previews there. We'll get some more extended previews on there beyond just the games that we talked about. So make sure you're subscribed to College Football Betting with Aaron Torres on YouTube. You can find that wherever you get your, uh, wherever wherever you're subscribed on YouTube. Just search College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. That said, I do think it is time for me to get out of here. Really do appreciate everybody's support. Uh, Enjoy the games this week, everybody. I will be back next week. New episode, College Football Betting. Subscribe to the show. Also, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.